following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Let's go, baby! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday, January 29th, 2019, season 15, episode number 113. Welcome to another edition of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We've got an hour of Cowboys talk for you guys today. And we're going to talk a little bit about the coaches. Uh, they met, uh, they, the, fin- the staff has been finalized, and they met with the media earlier this week. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the things that stood out. Uh, as we talk to them uh, a little bit later in the show, we're also going to get into uh, finishing up our we've been doing this the last two shows, but finishing up our evaluation of the free agency market, uh, particularly the Cowboys free agents and and whether uh, the Cowboys should move on for those players or keep them or sign them or how big what priority they should be. I think we have the secondary left to do and there are a ton of guys in the secondary uh, that we'll have to talk about in that way. And then in the third segment, we certainly will get into some questions. You guys can call us the numbers 888-855-2297, or you can hit us on Twitter. You can hit my Twitter account at Derek Eagleton. I'll take your questions there and uh, we'll, we'll get into some good Cowboys talk. How's everybody doing today? Great, Derek. Good. Good. I'm awesome, man. Just out of breath just listening to you there. Hey, man. Got to go, man. There you go. Got to go. Gotta it's been go. a while. It feels kind of weird because it it's feel been weird. a while. It feels I mean, you guys weird. did a show last week. Yeah, me and Amber were back here hanging out. Chilling. But y'all, yeah, yeah, y'all, y'all did a show last y'all. week. It still just y'all. feels weird doing <laughs> it once a week, though. It does. And, but, but I'm liking it. Yeah, I'm not complaining. <laughs> I'm liking it. I'm sorry, everybody. I enjoy it. Yeah. All right, so let's jump in. Um, earlier this week, uh, the Cowboys coaching staff, the new coaching staff, um, on their only, what, two holdovers? I guess if you count Leon, that would be three. He counts. Well, I'm, but he's not like uh, he's like an assistant position coach. Uh, okay. If you're thinking yeah. the coordinators and the position coaches, yeah. they're two. But, but Leon is an assistant defensive line coach, but three holdovers. Um, so let's go around the table. I want you guys to just tell me, as you were talking to the coaches, it could even be a thought that you just thought of as, as just how the, the staff was put together. But I just want to talk about, about some of the different things you've noticed um, that that you've you know that just caught your attention about this coaching staff. Let's start with you, Nick. Mm. I think that uh, you know there's a lot of experience. Obviously, that that's one thing that stands out the most. But I I, I just think it's a good mixture of of a lot of different things. You, you've got guys that that have been head coaches. You have guys that have been college coaches in the uh, Marisa Linquist. You have. Um, a culture coach, pretty much. I mean, the assistant head coach Rob Davis is a culture coach. I just think it, it, it's a it's a good mix of a lot of different things. That it's not this is what we do. That's what we're used to, Jason Garrett. And I and I think it's just it's just a good mixture of of young, old, you know, pro coaches, college coaches, just just a lot of different things to kind of throw in here. And I think McCarthy will be the right guy. He, hopefully, he's the he's the guy that kind of you know mixes it all together. Yeah, it's actually I did the math on it. I just realized I forgot to include Mike McCarthy in that. So it's this staff has 165 combined years of NFL coaching experience. Wow. Uh and throw in McCarthy's 15, I think. And so Well, how does that compare to I have no last idea. Year, oh, yeah. oh, last year. I thought you yeah. meant the rest oh, last of the league. Last no, no, year. No, 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 no. Like would, what the Cowboys had previously. I would previously. think it was probably half of that if I had to guess. Yeah, what you, you say? got Kellen Moore and Colombo. Yeah. Those guys are sitting at one. Yeah, Colombo, you got Keith O'Quinn with like less than yeah. five years of experience. Yeah. Um, that's true. Sanjay ben Lyle's Blue. only got four or five. Ben, ben Bloom's Blue. two or three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it might have been way less so big than half difference. of that. Yeah, much different. Uh, yeah, like I said, I think they overcorrected. I don't mean that in a bad way. They just were like, we're going to do the opposite of what we were doing before. <laughs> right. There's five guys with head coaching, NFL head coaching experience. Uh, there's another two or three that have been coordinators. Some of these guys have had really nice NFL careers. Al yeah, Harris is a long-time starter yeah, player, in the NFL. Yeah. Really good player, by the way. Yeah, I really, really good love player. This game. Yeah. Uh, Leon Lett, maybe not on the level that Al Harris was, but definitely had a long, you know, a nice NFL career. Um, I think he was better than Al Harris, wasn't he? You think? Well, I don't know. Did Al Harris ever make a Pro Bowl? 
I don't know that I off the top of my head. Did. I kind of think he did too. He was a pretty good player for yeah. a while. Well, if Al Harris didn't have two big blunders on national TV. Either the point being is that <laughs> talking about guys with like decade long careers, even you know the lowest guy on the totem pole is probably Scott Tolzien, and he played in the league for a while. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean that's the thing that jumps off the page to me. The other thing, I I tweeted that out, and a few people were like, "Well, do you worry that that's kind of a too many cooks in the kitchen type of situation?" And I don't think so because the other thing is like, this is going to sound bad, but these are not like ascending coaches. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. These are not guys that are like trying to climb the ladder and be the like they've done all that kind of like, like rob marinelli rob mm-hmm. marinelli's like i've been there i've done that i've had some high highs and some really low lows extremely low extremely lows. low yeah. lows and I, I don't think anybody here had a low quite on rod's yeah. level but these are like i said and it doesn't mean they're bad coaches but they've been through the ringer of the highs and lows of the nfl coaching experience i mean they've all been fired yeah. multiple times uh, they've had failed head coaching stints. And again, I don't necessarily think that means they're bad coaches, but I think when you've been through that, you're a little bit more content to just kind of be like, let's let's go with the you're flow. You're more thankful and, for the yeah, job that yeah. you actually and, have. And yeah. you're not you're not just doing this looking for your next opportunity so much. Yeah, and and I think that could be a good thing. Sometimes there's value in having that experience and knowing you know, I don't even want the head coach. Like, I don't want to be a head coach right. anymore. Like, I don't know. I haven't talked to Joe Philbin about that. But maybe Joe Philbin is like, I really love coaching offensive line. Like, I've had enough of that head coaching thing in Miami. I'm good if I just coach offensive line from here on out. Mike Nolan may be the same way. I tried it in 40, with the 49ers. I'm just happy being a defensive end, a defensive coordinator. That's where I want to be. And so there's some value in that. You look at guys like Wade Phillips. They're a good example of that. They're just really good coordinators, really good position coaches. Don't necessarily have to be a head coach. I don't know about Joe Philbin or Mike Nolan, but I can tell you that's how Jim Tomsula came across. That's my new <laughs> right. favorite guy in the world, yeah, by like the way. He's fun to talk to. And he started like he started out the whole thing. He was like, I'm not good at this media stuff. I tr- I just try to get through it without cursing. I was like, we're gonna be friends. Let's go. <laughs> you uh, know, but that's been the that's also been the experience. I'm sure you guys have had it too. Having this it's almost like a breath of fresh air. Again, nothing against the guys that were here before, but it's been at least three or four coaches that just in our, our training table, which is the area where we go for lunch. I've just walked up to me and been like, hey, how you doing? My name's whatever. What's your name? Right? It's just there's a there's a there's an openness right now. Now that may all change once oh, they start will. hearing us and, and we <laughs> kind of going in on them after a bad game. But it's been really refreshing. And, and Tom Sula wasn't a good example that came up. We talked for probably about 10 minutes. And it's just a nice seems like a really, really nice guy. It's just very, very down to earth. We'll see how well he coaches. But, you know, so far, I, I like the guy. It's funny. Uh, I'm stealing this anecdote from Taylor Stern, but she introduced herself to Mike Nolan the other day. And, you know, like, I, you know, you get to talk to these guys and it's useful and you want to build relationships. But at the same time, you want to be, like, respectful and give mm-hmm. them their distance. And so she introduced herself to Nolan and he was like, it's so nice that you came up and said something because, like, nobody's talking to us. Like, we're like the new kids at school. I was like, <laughs> y'all feel like the dorky out of place kids at school? Because, like, I'm just trying to be respectful and right. give you your distance because you're these big time football coaches. But, like, they feel, I guess, out of place because they just got here. And so, yeah, like, they're eager to get to know people and have conversations. And it makes me think, makes me wonder if at other teams, there's more, less of the walls that maybe we have here where because of our our roles here absolutely we tend to you know we tend to be a little bit more i think uh, forthright in our opinions about the team which could you know create that kind of distance not only that but i think i mean i think this is a rare instance of like an, an nfl building where like the completely non football staff intermingles with the football staff like yeah. and we don't really count right cuz like we we do media we interview these guys but like you know the accountants and the lawyers are down there getting lunch next to the coaches and players. I don't think that happens in a lot of buildings. Mm. Amber, what what struck you about this coaching staff? Well, you know, I always talk about me trying to analyze people and looking at them, their behavior, mm-hmm. how they move, how where they look, and all these things. And this is, I mean, it's fun because I can't figure it out. Like, I don't know how it all comes together, which is 
exciting, but at the same time, the unknown, it's the unknown. Like, it could go either way. But it's still fun to kind of see all these different guys, different ages, different kinds of experiences to come together and, and build something new. Something that, uh, how do you say his name? Fassel? Fossil? Yeah. Fossil, fossil, fossil or fossil? Yeah. Fossil. I fossil. think it's fossil, right? Fossil. Okay. Well, him. <laughs> I think um, I really like what he said during his interview. One of the things, you know, you, you keep wondering how they're going to make this special teams better from what we've seen in the past years. And some, he didn't necessarily go into full details. You know, they're not really going to get into all that. But once uh, something that I liked hearing is the fact of just making the players feel important mm -hmm. making them feel like they don't necessarily get to choose their own players you know you have to work when it comes to special teams you have to work with what you already got in the roster mm -hmm. so being able to have that kind of mentality and being like you know what I'm, I'm my plan here is to start fresh clean and just make sure that these players feel like they're important they are their starters in special teams right. so that kind of mentality i really really liked hearing yeah he, he was really uh, that was a refreshing interview you know um i, I asked him a, a bunch of questions there about that and he you know he he said what she just said but you know hey it you you matter. It's a third, a third, a third. And McCarthy, he goes. Mike McCarthy told me that special teams is absolutely on the same level as offense, defense. He goes, that's all I needed to hear. So that sounds good. I just hope that when it comes down to free agency, draft things like that, that you're drafting that way, and he can get the guys that he wants. And more importantly, cuts. Like that's the part where it yeah. becomes a big deal is when you start making those cuts. Are you factoring in? How is this affecting your special teams? Yeah. That's the part that really yeah, matters. It's always right? like the receiver. It's that fifth guy that's yeah. like he's a young receiver, and the receiver's coach is like he's going to develop. It's like, okay, but he can't recover a punt. Mm -hmm. Vintel Bryant can do that yeah. now. Or that veteran guy. Yeah. That guy you're trying to keep around, and he's your third or fourth guy, but he's not going to help you on special teams because he can't play special teams. Yeah, A exactly. guy like that. Yeah, Dave, tell me uh, something that you heard from one of the coaches that, that really stood out to you. I spent a I, spoiler alert. I spent a long time talking to Jim Tom Sula. Um, <laughs> nah, no, he's fun. Y'all gonna become friends. Which huh? I mean, it's it's kind of it's been a trend. It, I mean, McCarthy's been saying it is like you know they're just not buying into this hype about like four three versus three four. So then, and that was a big part. He had this whole spiel. You know, Tom Sula had this whole spiel. Nick really loved it. I did. He's like. If you're weak, if your strong side defensive end stands up, you're playing a three four, and if he puts his hand in the dirt, you're playing a four three. Like it's really not, it's not <laughs> and, that. Big and then of a with deal. his hands, like, right? He's I like, mean, that's what it is. It's kind of true. Let's don't right? make a big deal out it's of this. It's kind of true. Which, but honestly, that wasn't even the thing that jumped out to me the most. Um, the other thing that I really loved hearing him say, Ed Werder was asking him about. Um, you know, how do you rotate your guys? That was the thing that it was a source of consternation all last season. And I think it was the Eagles yeah. game. D-Law and, and Quinn were like on the sideline in crunch time. Tom Sula was like, yeah, I love rotating my guys. If all of them can play, if I look out there and it looks different, then we got problems. <laughs> Which, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And he was like, uh, he he was like my first. Adorant. He's like my first year in San Francisco. He's like we had four guys that could rush, and I told him like if you tap your helmet, I'm looking the other way. Like yeah. I'm not letting you come out. And if you got a problem with that, you can talk to the guys behind you and help Step them up, work bro. their game yeah. up. Because otherwise, you're not coming out. We'll see if that actually. That. We'll see if that. that. It, it, <laughs> love it. We'll see if it actually plays out that way. But it was fun That's to hear. True. Yeah, yeah it's, it's funny how just being vocal about something like that mm -hmm. can make a difference in our perceptions, you know, yeah. how you perceive things. Because it could have been the same way of last year, even though they weren't doing it on the field. But just admitting that or saying yeah. something like that, it makes you feel like, okay, you feel better regardless of what the outcome is. I, but it makes you feel better. Just is. like Mike McCarthy when he came up here and did his first press conference just hearing him being so vocal about things and you're like oh okay yeah i mean just, just the person you know just yeah. uh, what do i do with my hands i mean just stuff like yeah. that yeah. i mean just yeah and i think you're seeing the the personality of some of these guys but i that part right there is very very good to hear just because there were so many times last year when it just felt like third you know this is the third rotation and you know and they got a punt back to the 8 yard line so it's first and 10 back at the 8 and the crowd's getting involved this is where you have a chance to really pin them back and it's like 
Why is it Armstrong, Hyder, Tristan Hill, and and Bennett here? Like, why are these the four? Like, you know, hmm? you know, let's Help get a me. safety. Yeah. <laughs> and they went ninety-two for a touchdown, so that didn't really matter. Yeah. So, but yeah, it, and uh, he, I mean, Tom Sula probably taught like the average. These interviews averaged probably I don't know ten to twelve minutes a piece. Like yeah. they weren't these super in depth things, but. I mean, Tom Sula talked for like 25 minutes. It was awesome. And I was just like, thank God we had extra people you know, walking sure. around because Dave was, well, he was all in. I kind of like, I looked around, I was like, do I need to be somewhere else? And everybody else had a cover. So I was like, cool, because yeah. I don't really <laughs> want to leave. Here. I'm going to stand right here and talk to Jim Tom Sula. <laughs> yeah. You guys talked to me a little bit about Rob Davis. That's an interesting, you mentioned it a little earlier. He's yeah. a guy that's coming in, he's, he's, he has the title of assistant head coach. He's more of a culture coach. Yeah. Met him down in, in the training table. He was just talking about some of the stuff that they're that they're wanting to do. And it, it was really fascinating to me because I haven't really heard, maybe there are other guys like this around the league, but I hadn't really heard of other teams that had a position quite like this, and especially a position like this that has the title of assistant head coach. Talk to me about what you've heard from him and, and just about what you think this position will be. It's really tough to, to kind of figure that out. He was asked that question several times about you know, I guess the line from the movie Office Space, like, what would you say? What you'd, would you say you do, do here? <laughs> like, it, it, <laughs> can I guess like, who asked that question? No, it yeah, was several I'm, different people, you know, just in a, in a nice way. Like, yeah. so what are you going to be doing? But um, <laughs> he, I, he, he did talk about culture a lot and, and, and kind of coaching the coaches. And he said, yeah, I'll, I'll get on the X's and O's if I need to. I'll help the special teams if I need to. But I think that. You know, his, his what he's going to do is is really, he's like any assistant head coach is going to be kind of the guy that eyes and ears a little bit for McCarthy. I, and, but I think he'll do it in a way where he's a part of the team and not like that that assistant that's like, you know, running to the coach every time he sees something yeah. he didn't like. So he's, I like man, he's it. Is, is that I did too. is it is it more kind of managing just the culture of what's going on around? If a little you know thing kind of rears up over here, you kind of go and handle it, right? You know, and as and as is the case when you've got 53 men on your team and you've got a coaching staff of what, I don't know, 15, 18 guys, yeah. it, you're going to have disagreements. You're going to have things that kind of flare up here and there. Is that kind of the the role that you're expecting? I, I, I really don't know. I, I mean, we've, we've heard a lot of things like from a player development standpoint as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those are some of the things that, that he's, he's going to be doing. So, And they have a staff already in place that does that. So um, I, I think he's going to be working with a lot of different departments here. Me reading between the – every team in the league has these guys. Like football ops guys, they schedule things. They help players with off-the-field stuff. They – you know, he's the – I feel like Fixer has a negative connotation. I don't mean for it to, but he's just like he's gonna he'll handle whatever issue comes up that a player might need that's not football. And Nick, I mean the Cowboys have people in place. Every team in the league has that. Me reading between the lines, I think it's just like McCarthy was like, Oh, we already have that staff? Cool. Well, I want him anyway and I'll do what I gotta do to get him here. And so he's got this kind of unorthodox position, which doesn't really matter. It's just funny to me. McCarthy's like that's great that these guys are here, and, and that's awesome, and they can help us too, but I'm bringing my guy in. Like, that's how I read it. One of the things he said to me that, that I thought stood out was he said, this isn't going to be part of my job to make sure guys are held accountable, which mm-hmm. that's great. That's great. Sounds if, like if, something if they need. somebody who is who's primarily responsible for making sure that people are being held accountable to whatever it is that they're supposed to be doing. Um, I think that's a great role to have on a football team, again, of that many players, that many coaches. It's good to have somebody just overall yeah. looking at accountability across the entire you know, group. Mike McCarthy said something a couple of weeks ago about it's all about the locker room. The locker room's the important part here is, is how these players and how they handle things. And here's a quote from a story from Rob Davis that um, uh, Johnny Opping wrote for on our site. The quote from Rob says, The NFL can provide a lot of distractions for these young men coming into the league. Most of us come from humble beginnings, middle class, all the way down to poverty. And sometimes this can be pretty big for us when we walk into the NFL. So he says, they're going to do the X's and O's. I hope to provide assistance with both X's and O's, but more importantly, in the life and development of the whole player. That's awesome. So that's I don't know if that's vague or not. We're still trying to figure out you know, what it, what it means, but... I mean, I, it, it's good. I mean, just talking to him, you've talked to him, and I've yeah. talked to him. I mean, he seems like a, a good guy and a yeah. good role for, for what they're doing here. Absolutely. All right, uh, let's go ahead and take our first break. When we come back, 
We're going to move into our talk about free agency. Ooh. Before we do, though, Nick, I did want to hit you one more time. You had, you had an interesting thing you told me about a conversation you had with the new wide receiver coach, yeah. Adam Henry. We'll hit that when we come right back. Yeah. Then we'll jump into free agency. We'll do that when we come back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too important? It's right above the subway. Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor. A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score September 2019. Do you want the most interesting, up-to-the-minute Dallas Cowboys news straight from the star in Frisco? How about exclusive and on command? That's right, news and nuggets you can't find anywhere else. With our exclusive Cowboys content on Alexa, you can have all the answers, secrets, stories, and more. What's Stephen Jones thinking during a game? What's Joe Looney's favorite pregame meal? We take your questions to Cowboys players and coaches, and you can hear the answers directly back to you. Just Say Alexa, open Dallas Cowboys. Whether you're into being a part of this or more into something like this, SeatGeek has the tickets to the events you love. It's the easiest way to find, buy, and sell tickets. Plus, with their deal score technology, they'll recommend the best seats in the house at the best value. So the next time you're craving this, the SeatGeek app and let's go. SeatGeek. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again for tailgating with the OtterBox boys. OtterBox, the company that builds wildly overproductive phone cases? The one and only. But cases are just the start. OtterBox is the official outfitter of tailgating. If they can keep my phone safe, what can they do for my parking lot party? How about protecting your beverages from suboptimal drinking temperatures with their elevation tumblers? And OtterBox elevation tumblers come in three sizes. A 10-ouncer, a 20-ouncer, and even a 64-ounce growler. Check out all the colors and sizes of their elevation Tumblers at otterbox.com. Back to the break. Welcome back. We're in the second segment of the break live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Uh, we're talking about some of the coaches and uh, the new coaching staff. Nick, before we went to break, uh, I wanted you to, to talk a little bit about Adam Henry, yeah. the wide receivers coach. You said you had an interesting conversation with him, and I thought it was some uh, interesting things he yeah, told you. Yeah, I haven't written that story yet, but but the thing that he said that, that kind of stood out the most is it's very cliche for coaches to say, you know, oh, this guy right here, I mean, the players love him. He's a player's coach. He flat out said, I am not a player's coach. I am not a player's coach. I'm a coach's coach. I And then, okay, what, is, what does that mean? And he said, basically what it means is that – I, I want the players to to you know fall in line with what we're doing as our staff, and this is what we're asking of you. We want you to come into this system and be you know do things the right way, run the right routes, you know learn all of these things we're trying to teach you. I'm not trying to be your best friend. I am your coach, and so if that means that I am not a player's coach, fine. I am your coach, and so. He he was he was like that doesn't mean that we can't have a good relationship and you can't you know we, we can't respect each other but I don't like the term players coach I'm a coach's coach and you're the player which that's interesting because Adam Henry twice mm-hmm. twice <laughs> coached Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry who I don't know that either one of them has a reputation for being easy to coach and they both adore him mm-hmm. do they so yeah absolutely I think but Jar- you know something I think sometimes people. People tend to adore people that well, I shouldn't say it like that. It, I think sometimes players they they really like coaches who they know they are going to always give them the unadulterated truth, right. and, and that yeah. comes along with being that coaches. Coaches, you're not you don't care who they are, what their profile is. You're like I'm going to coach you, and I'm going to coach you hard. And I think players sometimes respect that. And we've seen this firsthand here. Um, sometimes somebody of leadership can come into a situation they don't really know them. And you kind of set the ground rules, and you you come you come across very blunt. Mm-hmm. We, we we were on a conference call at training camp one time <laughs> about this, yeah. and it, and it was like this is how things are supposed to be, and we're, everybody's like, who's this guy? Yeah. And this isn't fun, you know. And then ever since then, you're trying to get to that level, and you realize that 
It was a plan. Yeah. There was a plan in place, and he got, you know, so that might Very be, well this might be part of the plan. I'm not a player's coach. I'm your coach. And then, you know, like, okay, I respect that. And then over time, it's, I'm not saying that it's not real. Yep. It's just, you got these guys building it to, up to that expectation. In reality, that's kind of what he's wanting you to do. Yeah, it's kind of like when you're in, uh, when you're in grade school. Like the teacher that first day of school establishes the fact I'm running this classroom and we're going to do it my way. You kind of deal, deal with that teacher a little different for the rest of that year than the teacher that comes in and says, hey, guys, it's going to be a fun class. Like you probably have a little different way that you'll deal with that teacher uh, because of how they set things up at the beginning and what your expectations are. Of them, you remember right? grade school? Yeah. I do I, <laughs> has it been that long for you? Yeah. Yeah, it has. It's been longer for you. Has it? <laughs> Which is funny because – Okay. <laughs> like two years ago, I'd be like, yes, this is what this receiver room needs. Yeah. We've got Dez, Terrence, and Beasley. Like, this is a nightmare. I don't really, I don't know that, I don't know how hard Adam Henry is going to have to work to win that room over. Yeah, but I do think this if, you, if you're one of the people that ascribes to the belief that Amari, uh, Amari Cooper needs more prodding, needs more pushing, needs more yeah. somebody to drive him. That's fair. Then maybe you look at this and say, maybe you'll get every ounce of what you think you can get out of Amari Cooper by having somebody who is a hard, hard coach, somebody that really pushes him hard. Yeah. You might get a better player than somebody that just maybe coddles him. Now, I'm not saying I don't know if, if Sanjay Lyle coddled him or not. I have yeah. no idea. What I'm saying is, though, having that hard coach might be a better thing for somebody like that. Maybe he, he said I did, he didn't say this, but maybe he's got the same thing as Tom Sula about the rotation. You know, I should have asked him that. Like yeah. fourth and eight with the season if the on the line. the season's on the line, like would you like the best players or the Who are you going to put out there? Yeah, that would have been a good question. You're right. Well, you have plenty of time. We do. To we go do. back around and get that question answered. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about free agency. We've been going through this thing. We've uh, we've gone through the offense now. We've gone through uh, the specialists, and we've gone through the defensive line. We got about halfway through the linebackers last time. The question really is, is the guy a priority free agent, the guy that you have to sign? Is he a guy that you keep if, you know, if things can work out? Or is he a guy you just let walk because you feel like his time here is done? All right, so let's uh, let's move on with the linebackers. Let's talk about Malcolm Smith. He got here what around week 10, 11? No, no, what, like what point week did he get 15, 16. Oh, is that late? He was he here so he played, played two games. He played two games. Two games. Okay, I think he played Eagles and. and that sounds right. Based Vikings. on that, what are your thoughts on him? Do you think the Cowboys should look at bringing him back, or do you think you just kind of let him walk? You know, this thing is always. Tough because we, we, there's a new coaching staff here, so we were always able to answer things of like this is the type of player that he likes or he likes, and so we're still trying to figure that out. Um, but the the type of player, if they're saying what they said all along is that I, I like the a certain type of football player, the type of guy that can that can get off the couch and go play two games like he did and play pretty well. I think that he showed some signs of of something that you they they can work with there. So. You know, and you know he's a big game player. He's a Super Bowl MVP. Um, I, I, he's had some decent years. I, I think he. I think he's a guy I would try to bring back. I mean, at least for numbers, but more than anything, special teams. If he a guy that can play special teams, if that's what John Fossil's looking for, then yes, because your backup linebacker's got to have the experience to do that. Yeah, I everything he just said. I mean, I would like to think you could sign him for a very very low price. And if that's the case, then hell yeah. I'd love to have him as my yeah. fifth or sixth linebacker. For me, any of those guys um, in the linebacker positions, I I would like to see what else is available during free agency. Like That would be a position where I would, be, I would like the Cowboys to get somebody else in free agency rather than just signing your own, if obviously that person is better than what you've got currently. That's a good point. Yeah, actually, I agree with that. I, I I'd rather Fossil get a, get a guy in here. If that's his guy, fine. I doubt it though. I'd rather Fossil get his linebacker that he's played for against teams. For, uh, for special teams mm-hmm. for the my backup linebacker, kind of like Basatia did with those guys. Sure. Gaspar and and, all that. Yeah, and that's. I mean. Yeah. I guess I'd probably bet against it, but I mean, but again, like, what level of free agent are you talking about here? Like, you're gonna go after Danny Trevathan? Corey Littleton or Kyle Van Noy? No, you're no, not going to spend that kind starters. of money. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, you're getting—I mean, you're going down but, the line. But like, the thing but to consider here is you got four guys of your eight linebackers that were on the roster. 
Four of those guys are free agents this year, unrestricted free agents. The only guys you got left are Christian Covington, Luke Gifford, Jalen Smith, and Leighton Vanderesh. I got and question marks Leighton on Vanderesh. all of them. Exactly, and that's my point. Like, mm. do you yeah. do you feel like you need to have some of these? Like, at least one or two of these guys needs to be a priority just for the sake of some consistency. Yeah, I, and just for the solid guy. That's true. Consistency with what? Like the schemes changing. That's McCarthy said he's like defense is going to be a departure. So is there consistency in the sense that like we know their names and know what they can and can't do, I guess. But does that matter to them? Yeah, maybe not. I, I doubt it. it. I, I, yeah, I think that might be a sneaky need of, of some for some depth of guys that can play as starters because you don't know what's going to happen with Sean. Yeah. How concerned are you with Leighton Vendor? I mean, they keep That's, saying that he he it's expected to have a full recovery and it's going to be fine and ready to go for the offseason, but. Are you guys feeling? My concern kinda? level is a seven. If ten is like, oh my god, you know, yeah, this is the worst thing ever, and one being like, no problem, I'm a seven. I think I put myself closer to like a five. Like I don't, I'm I just being you never, never take them at face value that everything is perfect. But also, I'm not just convinced that he's not going to be able to like play or anything. Let, let, like let that. me let me preface that my my comfort level with the position or my level of concern for the position is a seven because there's nothing really behind there because he you're asking him to do so many things and then he's got a neck injury and Jalen Smith yes he made the Pro Bowl uh I think there's some there's definitely some issues in his game when it comes to pass coverage that's what they that's the number one thing they have to figure out linebackers and and Mike Nolan need to figure out what can we do with Jalen Smith to make him like a dynamic player because I think he's a good yeah. player. He gets a bad rap. If he was off of social media, we would have a different opinion. No swiping, of him. yeah. We'd have a different opinion. Of I him. agree with he's that. He's not. He's not a bad player at all. I agree with that. It's just, I still think he's a liability in coverage, though. Like if if without any of that, I still think people would have said he had a disappointing season. But I think you could be a really great linebacker in this league. Yeah, you, even if you're not great in coverage. You gotta, I've seen really good linebackers in this league that aren't great in coverage. You just it's getting it, you harder. Just, well, basically, what you have to do is you just have to change what their role is. Like. It, it, what we do know of him, he's a really good pass rusher. So maybe you find ways to have him pass, you know, rushing in those kinds of situations more frequently than See, you have him backing out in, in, in coverage. I feel like I was more upset than excited this year when I saw him playing. As far as the things that he was doing on the field, like uh, from what I remember, just in general, I feel like he would do things that would upset me more than get me on my feet. Like, oh, yes, let me tweet out in the, about Jalen. In between the whistles or after the whistles? Well, that, kind of, kind of both, kind of yeah. both. I, I'm trying to keep that whole other right. thing separate from the actual playing. I mean, there were times that, it, it, I guess it, it's it just ties together because he carries himself as, oh, I'm so good and this and that. And then when you see him making even little mistakes, it's like, okay, you should be playing better. So I guess it, it just yeah. it, it kind of goes hand in hand when it comes to that because if he wasn't like that, I think I would be like. Okay, he's not that bad, but because we have a certain perception of him, it makes you feel or think that he should be playing at this other level yeah. so that we're not seeing. Christian Covington, yeah. Luke Gifford, Jalen Smith, and Leighton Vander Escher under contract. Those are four. Yeah. I I really hope Sean Lee decides to come back for another season. That would As be awesome. Let John Fossil and Mike Nolan decide on a journeyman type of guy to sign. And if they want to draft a guy with a not crazy high pick, that sounds great to me. Let's yeah. roll. Yeah. I, I will say this. I, I kind of fall in between the two of you guys on Leighton. And it's not so much that I don't believe he will be able to come back and resume his career. No problem. What I am concerned about is this is a neck injury that started back in college that now was a problem again. I don't trust the future. That's my issue. Is sure. It's not so much him coming back, and he may come back and have a great next year and a great even year after that. My question is, is this going to be something that is going to crop up two or three years from now? I don't know that. And For sure. again, I've never heard anything like that, but necks and backs aren't like those are the kinds of things that I've had neck surgery. It doesn't you don't always feel better even after the surgery. And you never you you I know for me, I'm not back to normal. So it's that's where I'm like, I, I just wonder. In the future, what is this? What is he, and how does that neck feel? You're right, and I'm. I love to say hope is not a strategy, but like, it's. I mean, what are you going to do? It's not. 
are you at a point where you need to do something drastic? I don't think so. I mean, might be the difference of the linebacker that you sign, the journeyman or the guy, the Danny Trevathian guy, something like that. That's been a starter and could could be. A, that's why I want Sean Lee back. Yeah, because that I can do that on a discount. Which and like, I'm not ready to spend major resources, i.e., first, second, or third round pick, or pay a guy starter money because that's expensive. It's real. I mean, it could be really expensive. Why did your eyebrows go up when he said you can do it on a discount? Were you worried about whether you can do that on a discount? Well, the discount wasn't it. Then he cut his salary down to three million. It was a discount from seven million. Yeah, but are you going to get it again? How much money is Sean Lee going to command with his injury history and his age? But if he says let's run it back, three million again. That's not. That's Would you cheap. Pay, I'd pay him three million. That's Would super you cheap. You wouldn't pay him three. No, I mean, are you I mean, kidding me? Top of the are world you kidding linebacker. Me right now? <laughs> top of the three little millions for Sean Lee. <laughs> are you kidding? Three little. That, we've been around seriously? sports way too long. <laughs> is that a nursery book? Three little billions. Three little million. <laughs> top of the line linebacker play is costing you sixteen million a year in this day and age. So yeah. if you tell me I can get Sean Lee for less than less than one quarter of that salary, maybe and, you can't though. I'd pay him up to like five or six if On he a wants one year to, deal. Yeah. I'd do that. He's the one or, guy that I would honestly, see him being like, yes, okay, I'm down. If we're being what real, it would probably be like three with incentives to hit up to a certain yeah. number if yeah. you hit snap yeah. counts and right. all that type of stuff. Which, again, I'm okay with. For sure. I'm certainly okay with. I just, I'm not so, well, it's, if Leighton, sorry, if Leighton has another issue like this next year, then it's time to really yeah. think about what you're going to do for the future. But right now... It's like when you see a crack in the foundation of your house. Like, you're going to level the thing or are you going to try to fix it first before yeah. you sell the house or bulldoze it and build it over again? Yeah. I think I think the whole part about this 3-4 and 4-3 and, you know, they're just trying to f- figure out the scheme that, fit, that fits with the players. And I think it all revolves around Jalen Smith because I think he is a unique player that – there, there is a good role for him. They have to figure that out, and I think that's a domino effect that will affect other things. I mean, Don, to me, Jalen Smith should be playing in a traditional three-four. I could see him being right in the middle of the defense where you don't have to cover as much, and you're taking on blocks, and he's big and he can handle that. Or he's a three-four rusher that can rush from mm-hmm. the outside. I think he's a better fit in a 3-4 scheme, and maybe they're going to do some different maneuvering around to fit some things. And you've seen him have success when rushing, you know, yeah. and creating yeah. some pressure. Yeah. So he's he's shown you that he can do that and right. be good at it. Right. I mean, I think I think it goes back to what he does well. He is, I think he is a good straight line runner. If he has point A to point B and he has to get there, I think he can do that well. I think change of direction is tough for him. I think lateral movement can be tough for him, at least in what we've seen so far. So figure out ways to more often than not have him running straight line, running from this point to that point, um, and I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be a really good player. Uh, But the more you got him out in coverage, the more he's having to do a lot of, you know, kind of change of direction. Like, I don't think that's what he's Mm -hmm. best suited for. I just don't. He's become kind of a punchline a little bit, and and you know that happens to players a lot of the time, and it especially happens after you get a contract. I mean, Brandon Carr was that way. I mean, Terrence Newman became that way. Yeah, it happens, and you kind of forget the fact that you know you got paid because you're really a, a good football player. They just got to figure out ways to make him a, a good player, and you know if he's making a lot of good plays, then people will be. They'll be swiping in their living rooms, you know, <laughs> <laughs> cheering him on. Yeah. So. No, All right. I, I do. That's a that's got to be like a top three priority for this coaching staff for sure. Is Bef- making sure he's used the best way yeah. possible. Before we go to our final break, let's uh, real quick, Joe Thomas. What are your thoughts on Joe Thomas? If he, I mean, I'd be happy to sign him back. I think that's he did he did more for this team than Malcolm Smith, but I think it's similar to that. Is like, how do the coaches feel about him? Is there a guy available that they like more because they're yeah. more familiar with him? I'd he be didn't happy stay to healthy like enough for a guy that didn't play enough. Mm. Didn't it seem like he was always kind of hurt, but not ever. Yeah, it's had injury problems. Yeah, and he's got the he always got the four to six week injury. Seemed like, but but man, he he's a hitter though. I mean, he's a, he's a good guy to have on on special teams if 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 the role. Is At this right. point, we just need healthy guys in that position. You don't need to add somebody else as dealing that's, with whatever. That's a great point, actually, it, because of all of. Because, like you said, there are question marks with all those guys. Mm-hmm. 
I would I would opt for the guy that is so steady and healthy and yeah, that's why I want is my fifth linebacker. That's why I want is my sixth linebacker. I want these guys to be just just guys I know are going to be healthy and available. It would right? probably it would probably make people mad because Layton's here, Jalen's here, Sean Lee might be back. But like draft one in the fourth round. That's where they got Hitchens. That's where they mm-hmm. got Wilson. Can contribute right away. You can play special teams. Yep. You could good what solid players. Theoretically, uh, playing the Super Bowl weekend. last I checked. Yeah. Which and I'm like and Hitchens is playing pretty well. They awesome. drafted Hitchens yeah. to be that guy, and yeah. he had to step in and start right away. So yeah. like you can get that kind of upside. That's like the sweet spot for where I would love to dra- and just you just got to churn that production. It's like running back, like linebackers. You can't expect them to. Be at the top of their game. I mean, Luke Keekley just retired at 28. Just keep churning the talent at that position. You know, there's seven former Cowboys going to be playing in the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's so disappointing. Like six. Not, of the it's Chiefs. great for them. Maybe not all it's playing. Great for them. I didn't realize this till the other day that Mike Weber, the draft no. pick from Ohio it, State it, this year, the running back, very much there? under the radar. What, what team is he? Chiefs. He's on the Chiefs practice squad. Will get a ring if they win. <laughs> they picked him. They up. They picked him up, and you like can the do day that after the season ended or two to days put after on their the practice squad. So he's uh, his well, season continued. Him. Yeah, good for him. Mo Claiborne. You want to dive into the most playing with Kansas City? They're, one of their starting <laughs> cornerbacks is a guy the Cowboys traded for a ham sandwich. Do we want to do that? Traverius Ward. We want to have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have. He's a starter. He's a starter and is playing Dick. well. Yeah. How much better would you feel about this team's cornerback situation if Charverius oh, Ward pro- was here? That, we're going to get into that yeah. in the next segment. Like that's a problem right now. They literally traded him for a guy that never played a regular season snap here. Okay, let's sorry. go take our final break. I didn't we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the secondary because that is an area where the Cowboys have a lot of changes coming. We'll talk about that. We'll be right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping. Whether you're into being a part of this or more into something like this, SeatGeek has the tickets to the events you love. It's the easiest way to find, buy, and sell tickets. Plus, with their deal score technology, they'll recommend the best seats in the house at the best value. So the next time you're craving this, the SeatGeek app and let's go. SeatGeek. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score September 2019. Back to the break. Welcome back. It is the final segment of The Break Live in SWBC Mortgage Studios at the start. We're talking free agency here later in the show. Before we end, I'm going to nail these guys down on their predictions for the Super Bowl as well. So make sure you get those ready. Make sure you stay tuned to hear what Amber and Dave and Nick have to say about what they think is going to happen this Sunday. All right. So uh, let's get back into this. We got... A lot of guys in the secondary who are unrestricted free agents this year. Let me read off the list, and and I think what we'll do, since we only have one segment, only 15 minutes, I think what we'll do is we'll kind of take this as a group, and you guys can kind of pick and choose the guys you think and the guys you think you kind of let go. You can put them kind of in groups, right? Okay. So you've got um, Anthony Brown, who's an unrestricted free agent. You've got Kayvon Frazier, mm-hmm. C.J. Goodwin, Jeff Heath, Byron Jones, um, Darian Thompson. All unrestricted free agents this year. You have an exclusive rights free agent in Jamil Showers and a restricted free agent. Oh. What? Oh. 
Well, yeah. That's what this showers? says. Yes. Yeah, oh. Is your list wrong, Dave? Uh, that's not my that list. That came straight right. from Cowboys PR. It says that Deontay Burton is also a restricted free agent. I guess Those were the guys maybe that were they not might they might have Jamil's rights because he technically because, yeah. retired. He's yeah. not. He hasn't played all year. He's not coming back. All right. So that all being said, talk to me about those safeties and cornerbacks. <laughs> I guess let's start first with the cornerbacks. You got Byron Jones and you've got Anthony Brown. Um, what do you think the Cowboys should do with their with their cornerback position with these unrestricted free agents? It was hard not to read into Will McClay's comments about Byron at the mm-hmm. Senior Bowl, which, like, I mean, to some degree, there's only so much he can say. He's not the owner or technically the general manager. But we asked him about Byron, and he was like, he's a starting caliber corner, and we like him a lot. We'll see if he fits in our plans. And I'm yes. just like, that is hardly a glowing endorsement of an all-pro. How about Mike Nolan? That was what I was going to say. Those are interesting He comments. said that he wasn't talking about Byron Jones. Yeah. Not really. But he talked about <laughs> his, maybe. Yeah. Troy Aikman used to say, I'm not worried about throwing at cornerbacks that aren't going to catch the ball. If you're going to knock it down, I'll find I throw incomplete passes all the time. I'm worried about Dion and those guys catching it and taking it back. So if you're just going to knock the ball down, I ain't worried about you. I looked over and I was like, Byron Jones? Like, mm. That's not good. Yeah. So yeah. he's not worried about guys that knock the ball down. And it's been two years. Is right? that the, is is that the right way to handle years? I think he had one last year. One. And it was like on a Hail no. Mary. Because well, did, oh. then he made the Pro Bowl last year, and then we were talking about You're right. la- He didn't in, in You're 18. Right. 19. I know, he's got like two for his whole career. I know that. One of them was a deflect against the Redskins for a touchdown. And another one was like on a Hail Mary at the end of the first half that it really, you know, it, it would have been a turnover on downs yeah. anyway. He doesn't? But if that's the priority, then yeah, he then hasn't no. had one since 2017. Is that the but right co- way to look at it? Though? I don't know. I, I mean, he covers he covers really well. He covers well. He he stays relatively healthy. I mean, I know he got banged up a little bit. He stays healthy, and um, he's a good good guy to have. Did he in miss a the game? Did he? Maybe at the end of the year. Maybe missed yeah, the game. Yeah. He missed the last game. He did. I don't remember. Redskin game, but I. He he checks the boxes in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah. It's just not the turnover. He covers well. He's got really good size, good speed, good attitude. I mean, good I think he's a leader. I think he's he he does everything the right way. Um he just doesn't get turnovers. But I could live with that. I But it's like are you realistically are you going to have two corners that are that talented to the point where they are playmakers and getting turnovers and all that like if you have one, you're gonna have like one of those. You know, you're not gonna have two players like that in your secondary. Uh, yeah, but they don't have any. But right, I'm saying, I'm point. saying that's you can why, fire and bring right. somebody else. That, that's that the way I look at it. I, oh, okay. I'm looking at the rest of the cornerback, and I'm like, well, they don't even knock the ball down. So what what are you gonna do? You're saying I don't value the guy that at least knocked the ball down and created an incompletion. So are you then gonna replace him with a guy that doesn't even knock the that ball gets down? Beat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd rather True. keep that guy. And like Amber says, go out and, and draft at the 17th spot. Go out and draft a, a really good cornerback that you think is a ball hawk. And now you put those two guys opposite each other. Now you got something. You're working with something at that point. Yeah, that's what people said about Brandon Carr and Mo Claiborne. It is true. I'm saying they gave it him is true. fifty million, but, and but that was a, but it was a bad. But what it turned out to be was a bad draft pick because I think Brandon I Carr, the the fact that he's still playing in the league at the level that he is, says that he is good in that kind of role. Give me he's, the other guy. Which yeah, very different players, though. I mean, for that matter, when you analyze both of those guys, I don't. I don't know that Byron has the ball skills to magically be like a seven pick cornerback, but I think. At this point, I have to believe it's something about the scheme and the way the Cowboys wanted their DBs playing the ball that just nobody over the course of seven years could do it on a consistent basis because I think they just harped so much on don't give up the big play. Like, I mean, and for, and, it's hard to say which side of this you really fall on because Marcus Peters will get you five interceptions and return two for a touchdown, but he's going to give up big plays yeah. too. Those things go hand in hand. And I don't think the Cowboys were willing to risk that. Yeah. Um, maybe this coaching staff will be. I don't know. The thing with Byron for me well, is sorry. You know, there, there's another point to that too. Another reason they they didn't want to risk that is because they never put a high uh, priority at safety. Yeah. They never really had a safety mm-hmm. back there to clean up that mess. So maybe you should focus on that. Maybe they should focus on a safety that's a ball hawking safety that you 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 know that can cover a lot of ground, and then that can make your cornerbacks a little bit more aggressive as well. That's a great point. Yeah. 
But they, they, they don't since they don't value safety that way, then they have to value cornerbacks in a different level. I think the world of Byron and I think his coverage skills are good enough that he's worth paying. But that's easy for me to say. And I think this is the riddle of the entire offseason yes. for me because let's be realistic. They're probably not going to come to terms with Dak or Amari before the deadline to tag people. You don't think? No, I don't. To, to tag people. I mean, they're not going no, to make but the decision for Byron. I get that. I, I guess I, I differ a little bit. I kind of have a feeling, my personal feeling, I just kind of have a feeling that they're going to get the quarterback done before then. Well, and that's going to give them franchise and, and, and a transition tax to be able I to hope, use. I hope you're right because well, that would make – New Orleans. While uh, we're all in New Orleans, yeah. That's, that's how it works. works. Yeah, that's how it works. I, I mean, as much of a pain in the ass as that would be, I hope you're right because it would make life easier yeah. on them. I don't think I believe it because there's so much money to be lost or gained. I mean, you know, Dak's smart enough to know what would happen if he hit free agency. But and he'll so, never hit free agency. Exactly. But and like, he knows it. But why would he just – if they're not willing to pay him what he thinks he's worth, why would he just agree to it sometime over the next month? No, no. And I don't I don't think this is going to be just him giving in. I think they're going to negotiate and they're going to come to a conclusion that everybody feels good about. Okay. It. I hope you're right. But I am expecting Dak and Amari to be on tags on March 15th. Yeah. And therefore, the Cowboys won't have a choice but to let Byron hit free agency. And somebody with money – He's not coming back for his free Who agency. needs a corner – I mean, right. I can mm-hmm. just – what does Philadelphia need? They they're like we don't care if he gets picks. We His just name somebody that can cover around receiver. out there in Philadelphia. They, is like that's their number one target. They liked him in the draft process. So yeah. I remember. Be so mad. I vividly remember nervously watching the picks countdown until the Eagles picked, thinking like, okay, if if Jones clears Philly, we'll get him, and if not, who knows what we'll do? Mm-hmm. Which that's you know obviously it worked out the right way, but Philly likes him. They need a cornerback. Like he's gonna get. So much freaking money in free agency, interceptions or no interceptions. Yep. And that's just what I think is going to happen. Because they because are. Because I don't think they will have a tag to use on him. I hope I'm wrong. And by the way, they are the team that we were just talking about that has those guys that they don't even knock the ball down. Like they've been without cornerbacks. Their right. cornerbacks have been no. really bad. So they're like, give me they're a cornerback like, that's going to at least create incompletions. Right. I'm mm-hmm. good with They're that. like, you mean to tell me he can keep up with receivers? That's all right. we need. Yeah. We just need him to not Ooh. be four yards behind the receiver. Yeah. Who was his first position coach? Oh, geez. Uh, Byron? Wasn't it Jerome Henderson and Joe Baker? Yeah. Where's Jerome? Giants. Giants? I don't know. The Giants, Janoris Jenkins' experiment didn't go so Wait, well. They're, in the, they're with the Giants? Who? Uh, Joe Baker and, and no, not, Jerome not Joe Baker. Oh, I thought Jerome, just, Henderson. Jerome Henderson is. Yeah, they put the whole crew back no. together in New York. <laughs> didn't Garrett's they? getting the band back together. Please, wow. Um, but that's it. Creates an interesting riddle to solve because if Byron leaves in free agency, you have to sign somebody. Yeah, and you yeah. you have to draft somebody. and you got to well, draft somebody. But yeah. if you don't sign somebody who's capable of starting, then you're doing exactly what they always say you can't do, which is pigeonholing yourself into a position where True. pick 17 or pick 51 or maybe both everyone knows need to be cornerbacks. Everybody knows it. You're like, okay, these are the three guys they might be able to get, and that's just not a way to win a draft. That's how people jump you and get mm-hmm. sure. the player you so, want. Yeah. And, I mean, I hate to bring up Nolan Carroll because that failed spectacularly, but if you can't keep Byron <laughs> – then you will need to sign a guy like that who you can at least trot out there week one if you don't draft somebody better. All right, real quick, let's hit these safeties. you got Kayvon Frazier, you got Jeff Heath, um, you've got Darian Thompson. Darian Thompson was an interesting guy. Played some uh, quite a bit for the Cowboys this year, and I thought he was okay. He was solid. But I think at the safety position, that's basically what you've had the last few years are guys you can say at the best are solid players. I'm not signing any of those guys. Not one of them. Really? So we've just in this in this in this Ooh. conversation, we've decided you got to draft Ooh. linebacker. You've decided you got to draft cornerback. You've decided you got to draft safety. Who are you signing? Seriously? I'm absolutely bringing back 38, the goat Heath. Are y'all kidding? No, seriously. Think about this before you get mad. Again, if you don't do anything, what are you? I get it. How you have to but, address these problems before the draft? You have okay. to. You know what? I wonder. I wonder how. I wonder how the rest of the league, and particularly these new coaches, see him. Because I think a lot of what he was here for all these years, and why he got opportunities, is because Garrett loved him, and that coaching staff loved him. I don't know if another coaching staff that comes in and watches film on him is going to be like, man, we love because a part of what they love sure. is are the intangibles of who he is. Okay, I don't know if they love forget, him like Garrett. Forget did. the name Jeff Heath. All I know is they need to sign a guy who can start, but they would prefer to not start. That's and what put they on need. special teams. Jeff Heath is a special teams demon. Yeah, 
And in, in a in a perfect world, he would be on a small salary as my ace special teamer who can start in a pinch. Yeah. But you need him here so that we're not sitting there at pick 17 saying, well, it's got to be Grant Delpit or else we're going to suck. Yeah. I don't think he would be expensive either. Do. No, he wouldn't be expensive. So, I would. I would. He just I would had be a kid. He de- like he's de- he's not moving back to uh, Lake Orion, Michigan, or wherever he's from. What's like wrong he's, with Lake Orion, it's not as cool as Dallas, Texas. Like, there's a reason all these guys stay. There's a reason taxes, all these dudes taxes, stay. <laughs> Yo, for sure, taxes, climate. Taxes. There's a million yeah, reasons why. Um, but he's gonna be here anyway. Yeah, let me so clarify well. that. I'm not signing him like. Right away, he's going to test the market. Now, if he's a guy that can come back in the you know one two year deal, I'm all for that. If it, that's the role, but that still kills Dave's point that you want him by draft because you want to be able well, to, I, to draft. I, no, I'm talking got, about you talking when the free second wave of free agency, which is like nine hours later after all the craziness <laughs> happens in the first wave, and then yeah. I'm going to be right here to laugh at y'all. On March fifteenth. Oh, I'm not saying he won't be. I'm remember, saying you remember I'm who their first. On. You remember who their first signing was last year. Everything was last year is totally different. I'm just it, 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 Darian Thompson. No, it was Jameez Olawale, huh. and and years before that, it was James Hanna. And everybody's like, yeah, 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 we're gonna get the big money. Uh, Earl Thomas is coming, and it's Jameez Olawale. And this year, it's but gonna I, be Jeff Heath. I will and everybody's this, though, gonna freak the hell out. The the one thing and I I'm know about smile. The one thing I know about new coaches is they like to surround themselves with guys that they're right. comfortable with. And so it's people like Jeff Heath that I could see ending up in New York. Sure. Because the coaching staff, by and large, has picked up and moved a there. Fantastic and, point. Right. And so I see a situation where these coaches will say, hey, if we're going to just have a solid safety, let's go get a solid safety that we know and trust. Okay. And whoever that might be, I don't so know who the name is, it'll that's be the guy that they go get. Chris Banjo. Seriously, I, okay. I, like he's he's the same. It'll be the same guy. Like it it won't be right. And and again, all that does is just secure you that you don't have to rush into a bad decision in the draft. You got a guy that in a pinch you can play at safety, and and he's going to be oh, a yeah. solid guy for you. He's going to be a special teamer, that kind of thing. Is Chris Banjo under contract? Like he was with McCarthy That's and Green Bay. Yeah, I, know. I, like, at first I thought I was you like, made Banjo, it up. Y'all don't know that name? Uh, not really. He's freak. He's, he's, he's Jeff. Around. He's Jeff Heath. Actually, he's from Sugarland, Texas. He went to SMU. Sugarland. He was he was like the fifth safety on the Packers with McCarthy. He spent time with Nolan in New Orleans. See? Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the kind of guy. I don't know if he goes there. Banjo. If he's available. Yeah, I don't Let's know if he's available. He's Chris available. Banjo. I can't believe y'all never heard of him. No, I'm sorry, Chris. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> all right. We we anyway. only have a few more minutes here, so I want to lock you guys down on Super Bowl picks. Uh, who do you think's going to win this weekend? Let's start with you, Nick. 49ers by 17. I, I'd like what? for it to, I'd like for it to be a close game. Chris I, Banjo uh, is a free agent, by the way. I'm just saying. Just here we rem- go. Remember, Kyle, cut Chris this out. Banjo. Okay, sorry. All right, go ahead. Nick, go. Uh, I just I don't know. I don't think anybody can really stop the 49ers. Uh, their, their defensive line is so good. They'll have that. They'll have him running all over the place, and he'll he'll be good doing it. But uh, I think the way they run the ball, they just dominate the line, and I I just see them winning the game. Pulling it away. I, I hope the Chiefs win. Um, I love watching Patrick Mahomes play, but I just think the 49ers are so strong on the both lines. Yeah, that's. T- I mean, I've had a sneaking suspicion all week that the 49ers are going to win because they're they're the more complete team. And I I agree with everything Nick just said. Having said that, they buckled down on Derrick Henry and made Tannehill beat him, and he couldn't do it. And I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Tannehill, mm-hmm. but is he capable of lifting them if the running game's not there? Because the Chiefs proved. If they commit to it, they can stop it. That's it's really. I mean, I hope. It, I think it'll be a fantastic game because the 49ers are a better team, but the Chiefs have the best player in the game. And I've been and saying the fastest all, player in the game too. I've mm-hmm. been saying all week that Maybe I think two fastest players in the game. Yeah. I think the not. I, but I can't. I can't go against Mahomes. I can't. Like I've. You know, I love Aaron Rodgers. Like a quarterback of that caliber just means so much. I think the Niners are the better team, but I think the Chiefs will find a way to win. All right. Amber? I think it's going to be a close game, but the 49ers, the way they've been playing, at least on the defensive side of the ball, just the aggressiveness and and the energy that as soon as the game starts, even the last game they played, it's like so much energy there. And if they can keep that up for this week, which I think they definitely can, uh, defense, a defense like that with so much aggression and energy can definitely 
win you that Super there, Bowl. They're so much like the Panthers to me a few years ago. I mean, they just sucked for so long that you're just going to get good defensive players. You just keep stacking yeah. these defensive That's, players acquire together. Them, keep acquiring them, keep acquiring them. And, and then all of a sudden, it, they hit, you know. You get a real, like, Giants-Patriots vibe. Like, mm-hmm. Buckner and Bosa are just terrifying Mahomes all day. But that's the thing is... Mahomes is not Tom Brady. Like, Mahomes can yeah. do crazy stuff like the run he had against the Titans where you can do everything right and rush the hell out of him and collapse the pocket, and he still does something insane. And I know yeah. Cowboy fans want the 49ers to lose because they think that matters with the six and all that. I mean, they've already been passed, right? Two teams. Twi- twice. Yeah. So, you know. I think there's more to it than that, though. I think Cowboy fans just don't like the 49ers. Well, I mean, they've been an NFC rival for years. Yeah, Chiefs decades. Yeah, that was a rival back in the day. Dallas Texans. Dallas okay. <laughs> it's a different way before any of us. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll put it like this. I, I've seen some really great defenses throughout the history of the NFL. That I've been able to witness. It's rare that a great defense, particularly a great defensive front, gets to a Super Bowl and loses. I don't care what kind of offense they're going against. And we saw the greatest, in my opinion, the greatest offense in the history of the game, that Patriots offense get beat in the Super Bowl because that defensive front was really, really good. And I, I just I believe that because of that, San Francisco has the edge in this game. Now, I'm rooting for Kansas City because I love watching Patrick Mahomes yeah. play. I'm a Patrick Mahomes fan, so I'm rooting for him to win this game. But when you look at it, I just I just think history says when you match up a really great, I'm talking about a really great defensive front against whatever kind of offense – it typically ends up that defensive front wins this game, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna say San Francisco wins. I'm glad I picked the Chiefs then, because it would be silly if we had a clean sweep on the show. So. Yeah, <laughs> but I'll be rooting for the Chiefs, no doubt about it. I'm rooting for the Chiefs. I've have not come across a Cowboys fan who That's is not. rooting for the 49ers. Yeah. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We're back next Wednesday. More talk on the Cowboys. Till then, for Nick Eman, Dave Hellman, and Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleson. This has been the break live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!